Good evening. And as always, I want to thank you for watching this evening as I'm trying to get this silly thing all lined out here. And uh, I, I pray that you've had a good day. I, I pray that you were able to in, enjoy some of the sunshine and uh, were able to get some things accomplished. It's uh, Tuesday, March the 8th, and uh, we are beginning Philippians, the third chapter. Uh, we finished last night, as I was uh, explaining to you, how Philippians 2 ends. One of my favorite passages of Scripture talking about how the church at Philippi loved Ephroditus. Ephroditus loved Paul. Paul loved him. Paul loved the Philippians. And so you see what real Christian love could look like, that they weren't concerned about themselves. They were concerned about each other. They were concerned about uh, people getting well, people being healed. They were concerned about um, sacrificing for the uh, the greater good of, 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 of the church and, and God's people. And, and it just encourages me that there is real Christian love. And I think it's easy sometimes to... Um, get hurt or to get let down by people. Uh, I think it's easy to um, put up walls uh, at church. I think it's easy to put up walls in our own homes. And so uh, I think all of us have been there. All of us have have opened up and uh, and been hurt. All of us have invested and got burnt. And so it's easy to think that uh, Christian love is not possible, but yet in this passage of scripture that we looked at last night, uh, it is possible. It's not easy. Um, Ephroditus almost died um, doing what the Lord had called him to do. But as we see, if you will go where God wants you to go and do what God wants you to do, he'll work out the details. But we come into chapter three and we go from this picture of love and care and con concern and compassion to Paul begins to warn them. And I think there's a great danger when we begin to read a passage of scripture like this because all of us um, begin to think of certain people, right? Well, I went to church with so-and-so and they're definitely a wolf in sheep's clothing or uh, I know this person and I know how they really act. And so it's easy to begin to put names to uh, what this passage of Scripture talks about. But we have to be very careful that just because someone disagrees with us doesn't mean they are a worker of Satan. Uh, many times, uh, those who are the most opposed to the things of God uh, look very much like a child of God. They can almost talk like Him. They can almost think like Him. Um, but yet they can't be exactly like them. That's why the Bible says that the devil can even appear as the angel of light. And so we see that we have to be on guard. And so where we see in chapter 2 about love and friendship and the church being who the church is supposed to be, we see in chapter 3 the warning. And because of that, I think it's important to remember and recognize that love is not blind. Love is not without truth. And you have to have both. 
And so it starts in verse 3 and says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Here it is. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are of the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. You see, Paul is warning them against people who sneak into the church but aren't really a part of the church. And you say, Jake, what did that look like in Paul's day? Well, in Paul's day, there was a group of people who claimed to love Jesus. But secretly, they wanted everybody to go back to the Old Testament. So things like circumcision, uh, not eating certain kinds of food, observing certain days and festivals. And Paul says, anybody that sneaks into the church and claims to have a little bit of Jesus, but a little bit that goes against the gospel, those are the most dangerous kind of people. I heard Adrian Rogers preach a sermon one time about how Satan would rather destroy a church through division than to fill a tavern full of lost people. Because a tavern full of lost people are doing what lost people are doing. They're getting drunk and they're living for the world and they're not worried about the things of God. But the church... When there's division, when the church is torn apart, when the church is infiltrated and led astray, that's where the most damage is done. Because one, you have people who are under conviction who will not come back due to the conflict. You will have baby Christians who are new believers who are not yet firm in their faith and it will drive them away. You have Mature Christians who have just finally said enough is enough. And so it hinders the truth from going out. You are probably familiar with what is going on in Ukraine and the aggression and war that Russia has brought to those people. But if you were in Russia today, you would hear a totally different story. All of their news medias that contradicted what the Russian government said, have been shut. All reporters who preach or teach, excuse me, something other than the Russian government narrative are subject to 15 years in prison. And so what you would hear today in Russia is that Ukraine had been overrun by Nazis, that they were being robbed of their freedoms, robbed of their hope. And so President Putin is liberating the Ukrainian people. Now, you and I know that to be false. We know the evidence, and though we don't know everything, we have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. So are we more dangerous to the Russian people, or is the one who is twisting the truth? It's the one who twists the truth. And what Paul says is people who come into the church and who have an alternative motive, or they come into the church and teach just a little bit of Jesus, but a little bit of other stuff, are the most dangerous. I want to give you some examples tonight. One, there are many people who believe that baptism 
is a part of salvation. But yet the Bible says that you are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. There are people who believe that the Lord's Supper will make you more saved or less saved. But yet the Bible says, do this in remembrance of me. It's a time of celebration and reflection. There are other people who would say that if you go through a certain confirmation or a, a certain class or a certain this, then that means you are saved. But that's not what the Apostle Paul teaches in the Bible. That's not what Jesus taught in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. Jesus or The Apostle uh, the uh, the book of Acts tells us, the, uh, Luke writes, that there is no other name among men, no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the way. And so the Bible teaches us that we must repent of our sins, call upon the name of the Lord, and be saved. And that is what it takes. That's the message that you should hear from the church that you pastor or that you attend, that Jesus Christ is the only way to save. He's the only way to forgive. He's the only way to go to heaven. Now, there are other Bible lessons about how to pray and what you should do as a Christian and how you should serve God. But if there's ever a time when anything is added to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus, that is a requirement for you to go to heaven, whether it's if you give enough money or you attend church enough, all of those things are what Paul is talking about, about beware, because they will destroy a church. They'll destroy a faith, and they will destroy people. And so tonight, know what the Bible says. Hold the teaching of your church accountable. I tell our congregation every Sunday, take notes so that you can study through the week and that you can make sure that I am teaching you what the Bible says. Because friends, I make mistakes. Other pastors make mistakes. People get bent out of shape. They get led astray. And so always make sure through the nightly devotions, through your online television preachers, through your sermon at home or sermon at church, that the Bible is being taught, that it is all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you can do that and hold on to that truth, God can be in your life and God can make a difference in your church and God can make a difference in your family. But you have to be on guard. Beware, he says. Love faithfully, but also be on guard. And so as always, I want to thank you tonight. I don't have a watch, so I don't know if I went two minutes or 17 minutes, but... As always, I want to thank you for watching tonight. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. And if I can ever do anything for you, please let me know and know that I am praying for you. And so, Lord willing, I will see you tomorrow night. And if you can, find you a church home tomorrow night on Wednesday night. I know what you're saying. Wednesday night, church matters. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible studies, it will do you good. And so, if you don't have a church home, I'd love to invite you. We have a meal at 545. You're welcome to come and eat. It's free. And uh, stay for Bible study and, uh, and be blessed. So, as always, God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night.